Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Puzzle Piece Media Podcast. I'm your host, Namaya Wilson, and we are taking this trip down memory lane through the history, tradition, and the memories of Trousdale County football. These are the Creek Bank Chronicles, and I'm joined here by a man that, if you know anything about Trousdale County football, he is synonymous with this program in this county. Uh, these days, he goes by Dr. Satterfield. But I've known him all my life and still call him to this day, Coach Clint. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing well, Namaya. Thank you for the nice introduction. No problem, no problem. Uh, I told you I wasn't going to read your entire resume because that would be a whole episode in and of itself. But uh, I've hope, I hope I've got millions of people around the world listening to this. So for people that may not know who you are, I'll let you sort of give them an introduction into who you are, what you do, and how you came to be here. Oh, Lord. Um, my name is Clint Satterfield. I'm presently the director of schools for Trousdale County, and I have served in that capacity for the last 14 years. Uh, I've been very fortunate that uh, this is the only school district that I've ever worked for. Uh, I was able to uh, to go to school and to graduate from uh, Trials County School System, Trials County High School in 1979. And uh, when I came back from college, uh, uh, I was hired in, in the fall of 1983 where I was a teacher and a uh, assistant uh, football coach. And then in 1984, I was named the uh, head football coach uh, position that uh, that I had until uh, I became superintendent and completed my last season in uh, 2007. Um, let's see, just thinking, when I started there in 1983 uh, uh, and when I was head coach in 1984, my father and I kind of coached together as a team. Uh, he was a superintendent of schools. That position has changed a lot over these many years and demands of it. And he was actually able to come down and be an assistant coach uh, almost every afternoon. And basically I ran the offense and uh, he ran the defense. And we worked in that capacity until uh, his death in uh, July of uh, – 1994, I believe it was. And uh, so we coached together on the 1990 state championship team and then the 1993 state championship team. So uh, I guess that's my best – excuse me. I guess that's, uh, you know, my best uh, recollection of how I got started, I guess. <laughs> All right. Um, now you mentioned you mentioned your dad. Obviously, uh, Coach Jim B. What was it like for you growing up as the uh, as the son of a coach? And when did football itself first come into your life, as best you recollect? <laughs> I I thought it was I thought it was tough uh, playing for my dad. Um, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I liked it. Uh, I thought he might have been. I thought he was tougher on me than he was everybody else. Uh, not extremely, but from time to time, I, you know, I, I thought it was. Uh, sometimes that caused a little friction. But I thought it was good for me. I mean, I, I, you know, looking back, I was glad he was tough on me. I think that he made me into a, a better player, a better person. Um, I think there's an old adage that says, whatever don't kill you make you better, yeah. you know. Uh, I know that one time one of our teachers uh, passed away. I think it was uh, Miss Wiley or something. And we was walking out of the church with Miss Sue McKee. And she made a comment was that, uh, I don't know how it went, but something like, you know, Clint, when you was in grade school, we always thought you had a lot of potential. If your daddy would leave you alone, <laughs> see, we always thought he was a little too hard on you. Now, this, 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 think about this. This is going back to the third grade, and I said, 
Yeah, go, Miss Miss McKee. Why didn't somebody speak up then? You know, <laughs> yeah, don't say something years later. Exactly. Yeah, a year, like sixty years later. You know, but uh, no, I love my dad, and and uh, and uh, but I I do think he had high expectations for everybody. But he, those expectations probably were a little a little higher right. for me. But looking back, I I wouldn't have had it any other way. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's a. Uh... I think you see two sides of that coin sometimes with uh, coaches' kids. I think a lot of times, from my experience that I've seen, I've seen that coaches are usually harder on their own kids. But I think the perception sometimes is kind of the opposite, that they're only there because their dad, you know, is the coach. Right. Well, I think dad even said that one time, and this is many years later after I'm coaching, and he said that uh, – it kind of was like a little prayer to him. He said, I just was hoping that my son would be good enough to play where there's not any doubt who ought to be playing. Right. Or that he wasn't where there wasn't any doubt. Does that make any <laughs> yeah. sense? It's, 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 it's that borderline of being in the middle, in the middle marginally, you know, should he, you know, like I heard us, I, I can't say I agree with it, but. You know, I've heard this said before. Somebody said, well, the only reason he's playing is because his daddy's the coach. And when they address that, and, you know, the parent might say, but my kid is good as your kid. And then the comeback is, exactly. They're the same. And he's my kids. I'm going to play him. You know, I didn't feel like that happened in my situation. But I know I've heard that said, you know, if there's any doubt about it, you know, if I'm the coach, I'm going to play my kid. And I think what Dad was trying to say was that I wanted the gray area removed, that Clint was obviously good enough to play or obviously not good enough to play. And uh, so uh, hopefully uh, in people's eyes, I was good enough to play. You know, I hope so. Yeah. Um, so what was it like uh, just playing football in general? What position did you play? What what memories or experiences do you look back on from your playing days? Well, I remember in middle school, uh, of course, you know, we never had youth football or anything like that. So you go out like with seventh and eighth grade ball. And uh, we had us like some really good players. I think a lot of them had failed and been held back, you know, <laughs> but they were like big and strong kids. And uh, I know that uh, my first assignment was I, I played nose guard on defense and fullback uh, on offense. And I can remember that vividly in the, uh, in the seventh grade. And then in the eighth grade, we had a new coach, and it was Barry Morrison, I remember. And somehow I ended up as a defensive back and as a quarterback. So that's the first time that uh, – I recall playing quarterback. Now, up to that time in grade school, like kindergarten through the fifth grade, uh, and my parents would tell you that, that I didn't show a great deal of interest in playing football. I was big into, like, farming, and both of my grandparents were farmers. And uh, I had a lot of uh, toy tractors and farming equipment and uh, – I just really tied in with farming, and uh, and I did a lot of work, did a lot. I was really involved in the Boy Scouts. Uh, I think I know I was a Life Scout, which I was only about twelve merit badges away from being an Eagle Scout. You know, when I was in middle school and stuff, and uh, so I I really liked farming, and I really liked scouting, and that was about the time when the uh, you know, the Apollo moon missions and everything that was going to the moon really read everything I could on space exploration. I wanted to be an astronaut. And somehow I got into playing football. Now, I played Little League Baseball and I played catcher. But uh, I don't know, somewhere along the line that I took the football. And the more that I did in football this is a great thing i think about the game you know like golf you got to have a lot of skill 
And then you got to have a lot of like private lessons. You know, most people who do well in golf, they have resources. You know, they have private lessons. And then I watched this today with uh, softball and baseball. And, you know, they play this summer league and they're on these independent teams. And there's a lot of investment in like in financial resources. Right. And in football, I just noticed that the the more I ran, the better shape I got into. The more I lifted weights, the more I trained, the better I became physically. You know, it's a, what I'm saying. Football is, to me was more of a gross motor skill than a refined motor skill. And so, you know, the more I ran, the more I lifted, the harder I pushed myself through things, the better I got. And that doesn't work like hitting a golf ball or shooting a free throw or hitting a volleyball. I mean, you you know, you tighten up and tense up. You know, you do the you don't shoot free throws well or hit yeah. the wedge shot or make that putt. You know, because but in football, you know, you can is a gross motor skill. You know, you can like clench your fist and tighten your muscles up and drop your head and run over people or break tackles and you know. So there's a lot of uh, just a lot of hard work and will that's involved in being successful in, in football. You know, I, I've seen so many football players who are great athletes. They're, I mean, they're like, they're bigger, faster, stronger than I am. But then they don't have the heart or, you know, the, the desire. The drive, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you know, that, that catches up with them. You know, so they, you know, you see it all the time. Well, so-and-so ought to play, but he don't play. Why doesn't he play? You know, well, that's a question you have to ask. You know what I'm saying? But the thing that I was able to do, and I've been, able, I've seen this in co- in many, many years of coaching, is you know, it's just hard to measure the heart, and you know, somebody's commitment. But over time, you know, those things show up, and I think they show out over 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 time, and that's the greatest thing. That you know, I was just talking to a principal, you know, before we came down here today. And, uh, you know, we were just looking at kids as they walked down the hall, how much he, he had shaped up. I mean, he lost a lot of baby fat. You know, what a, how much football's helped that kid as a person. But I just think that, that football, and I'm very partial to it, is develops mental toughness, teaches people how to overcome adversity. Uh, it uh, makes you get up and go one more time. And uh, I just don't know where those life skills are being taught in other places. And what the principal and I was talking about was, you know, regardless whether a kid gets on the field or he doesn't get on the field or if he scores or he don't score or whatever, every child benefits from the rigors of playing football. And, uh, you know, that's why that I'm a, a... big advocate of football because I know the character it builds, the life lessons that it teaches. You know, I've got three grandsons right now. They're little, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if they'll play football, what positions they'll play, or what their careers look like. But I want them to play football because I think it'll make them better people. And, and, And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's definitely, you know, um, that's something I've heard a lot in doing this podcast about just the the drive and the wheel and that bond that is formed with players, you know, especially in Trousdale County, that if you start, you know, in seventh grade and you play all the way through high school, at the end of it, you know you've earned it. Yeah, there's just a lot of, you know, teammates that I've had playing high school ball with, college football with, uh, my former players, and, you know, they just other people just don't understand the hard work that we have done together over time and it builds a mutual bond and respect you know they, they don't have nobody has to tell me or they have to say to me we we don't question each other's commitment 
drive, intestinal fortitude, you know, the desire. I mean, it's it's understood because we've gone through those tough times together. You know, Dad used to say, and I agree so much, you know, football teaches to appreciate the little things in life like a break under a shade tree. You know, like, man, that's golden at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Just to get done at the end of the day, a cold drink of water or a good shower. You know, you don't need a lot, but just, you know, completing the day, completing the practice, just having a break and having a cold drink of water and how much we forget to appreciate the little things in life and, and football helps us in those things yeah. as well. Yeah, you definitely want that water. But there, there's, a, there's a bond. It's like a fraternity, you know, that – me and you went through this together, and because of that, we are like brothers. Does that make sense? What oh, very much so. Very much so. So, you know, you grow up and you start playing in middle school, and you talk about, you know, how you just took to it and sort of fell in love with it. I think maybe, you know, I think me personally, I was surprised that it was middle school. I would have thought I thought you were a lifer, so to speak. No, no, yeah. no. I mean – I mean, I think my parents, If I mean, I, my mother's still alive, but I think my parents would tell you that they didn't foresee Clint being a football player in the third grade. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I and I don't know where that changed. And I think that's really important with parents. I think sometimes we push kids into stuff. I mean, I think my parents were smart. You know, g- give him experiences and, you know, like Little League and – basketball and football and 4-H and Boy Scouts and, you know, give them a lot of experiences, you know, to learn and to experiment, you know, where does their interest and their aptitudes intersect, you know, so to speak. But I think my parents was like really smart in the sense that they didn't sign me. Well, they wasn't that. But I mean, I think parents today have to be careful that, you know, trying to live through your kid. You know, I didn't get to do this as a kid. Therefore, I'm going to provide those opportunities. And, you know, I'm going to have them start playing organized youth sports before they're five years old. And then we're going to play rec ball and AAU and making softball and baseball and whatever year round. And uh, I just don't know if you ought to push kids – too hard, too soon, too early. But I do think it's important for them to play ball. You know what I'm saying? I tell you what, Nehemiah, I think you did this. Didn't you play youth soccer here in town? No, I didn't. I never played youth soccer. I played. Uh, I played little league uh, baseball. I, play, I, play, I played from t-ball to up until I guess what they used to call senior league. Right. Uh, I did that. I never did. So I don't know if we had soccer. The, well, when Wesley and Blake were small in Whitney. I think David Nongler or somebody had a soccer league here in Hartsville. And they played over behind the radio station. Uh-huh. And I thought that was one of the best developmental sports I have ever seen. But they you know the the conditioning, the running, the agility, uh and you know there's not a heck of a lot of injuries, you know, with that. You know, like yeah tackling in football or getting hit upside the head with a baseball or something like that. and uh, But I thought that youth soccer was really good for developing youth athletic ability. And, uh, heck, I'd like to see my, my grandsons play <laughs> more soccer, I think. Uh, I don't want them to be career soccer players. I mean, if that's what they want to be, that's fine. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of biased. I like to eventually, you know, uh, guide them toward football yeah. at some point in time. Yeah. So at what point do you think coaching became something that you looked at or can, were considering or that you thought you would go down that path? Or is it something that just sort of fell in, fell into your lap as you became a teacher? No, I, I think before I left high school that I, I pretty much thought that – I. I was destined or uh, I don't know destined is or sentenced to a, a career in coaching. But, you know, my father was a coach. You know, I, I lived in that environment every day. You know, I, I cannot 
remember a day that I wasn't in a gym or a football field, you know, with my dad coaching and stuff. So it's kind of a a learned, innate behavior, I guess, you know. Might be learned and innate. innate. Um, but I think, too, that I think, too, that some of those other things like, you know, 4-H, FFA, scouting, church, you know, all develop some opportunities to do public speaking and to be a leader. And I think, you know, coaching is a lot with leading other people, you know. So I think some of those experiences and those things that we talked about also leads you down that pike of being a coach. And, and, and teachers are coaches. I mean, we even call them instructional coaches and stuff <laughs> nowadays. But, you know, coaching is, is, is teaching someone the pedagogy or the, you know, the art. Teaching is an art and a science. And, uh, and I think coaching is just an extension of teaching whether it's basketball or algebra or American history or whatever, I think if you show me a good teacher, most of the time I can show you a pretty good coach and vice versa. I've never seen bad teachers make good coaches, really, you know. Yeah. Um, it's so, just just the environment that you're using it in. Right, right. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. So, So what was it like when you did start, you know, coaching – yeah, you know, I mentioned you mentioned you coached with your dad, you know, as an assistant, and then he worked with you as an assistant. What was it like, you know, coaching with him? <laughs> uh, we we had some arguments. I mean, <laughs> there were some. We had some. Uh, I mean, it was fun, and it was enjoyable, and I wouldn't change that time. But you know, we we def we had different philosophies of how to do things. I think, you know, I just came out of college and uh, there were some things that we did in college that uh, that I thought were good and might have been better, but might have been counter with what he's been used to doing. And I think that's probably where we uh, had a difference of mind, you know, from time to time. Uh, I think Dad... I don't know. He seemed to be more relaxed, but I think that's because of his age. You know what I'm saying? He's he'd already pretty much completed his coaching teaching career and he had a lot of experience. And then he looked at me as like a bull in a china shop, you know, that was young and inexperienced and you know, just and I think he was right. I mean, I, I think looking back that everything he said was right. But it's like today you can't tell a teenager anything. They they know everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I'm 23, 24, right out of college. And, uh, you know, I have all the answers. But the older you get, you find out you don't have as many answers as you thought you did. Yeah. So, I, you know, the experience – I think experience makes you a better teacher and coach and a father and a person over time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's some things that I that I would that I've done in coaching that I would never do now. You you know what I'm saying? But let me say this. The game has changed, you know, like when I played college football, tackling or tackling was taught and encouraged by leading with the crown of the head. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you don't do that today. That's bad. You know, it causes neck injuries and paralysis and, you know, Lots things of- like that. You know, there's, there's, we know there's better ways and safer ways to do that now. You know, so the game has evolved a lot with, you know, player safety, coaching techniques, and it's changed for the best. And I hope and expect the game to be, become more safe as time progresses you know like you know the nfl you know how they do kickoffs and you know they don't let people get running starts and hit and stuff anymore and then the advances in in equipment has been astronomical 
over the years with produce uh, reducing uh, head injuries and concussions and things like that. So uh, we just, you know, when you know, when you know more, when you know better, you do better. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely changed a lot. And you talk about you know coming out of college not having thinking you have all the answers, and then you get older, you realize not only did you not have the answers, you really didn't even know the questions. <laughs> yeah, that's good, yes. That's right. <laughs> you didn't even know the questions. Um, so let's take me through some memories and just how you developed your philosophy as a coach. You know, you take over in the mid-'80s, and by the time the 90s hit, you're rolling four state championships in a decade. I think that every every teacher, every coach that one has that we learn from. Now, I say it sarcastically. Sometimes we learn from some people what not to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. But uh, I don't know a lot of people know this, but I started at MTSU as a freshman in 1979 for Coach Boots Donnelly. That was his first year. That was Coach Donnelly's first year. And uh, – that I didn't feel like, you know, looking back that I was mature enough to take on a starting role on a college football team right out of high school. There was a lot of pressure and stuff. Didn't handle that well. And uh, I ended up deciding that I needed to get out of that environment or I had to transfer, for which I transferred to the University of North Alabama and finished up, you know, my my last three years of eligibility. But here's what I under, here's what I got from people. I le- I learned this from Coach Donnelly. Football's a physical game, and the people who play it physically are going to be more successful at some point in time. You know the old thing is, and it's still today. Then they have sophisticated offenses and no huddles and spread people from one sideline to another. But at some point in time, the teams that win it all, they are able to run the ball and they're able to stop the run. That's what they do. I mean, everything else is smoke and mirrors. But it's a physical game. You've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to stop the run. And the closer, the more physical you are, the better chance you've got of going all the way. I understand that. I got that. I, I learned that from, from Coach Donnelly. The next thing that I learned is for, for, I learned from Wayne Grubb, who's the head football coach at the University of North Alabama. Actually, he played at the University of Tennessee for Coach Bowden White. Coach Bowden White uh, coached under, played with General Neyland at University of Tennessee. And uh, here's what I learned from Coach Grubb. Football is a science, and there's an art to knowing football and knowing how to attack defensive structures, knowing how to organize but there's there's a uh, there's an organ an organizational and a, an intellectual piece to football, and no matter how tough you are, you can run through a brick wall. If you don't play the game intelligently and play it and study your opponent and make all the intellectual preparations, you're not going to be a good football player, and you're not going to be a good football team. Then goes back to coaching for dad is, and I think everybody that played for dad will tell you this, that he was a motivator, you know, that he could get a lot out of people. And he spent a lot of time building relationships with players and uh, and getting them where they, they trust one another, where they trust him, he trusts them. But, you know, father building building relationships building relationships among players and teams. Coach Donnelly's saying, you know, this it's a physical game and you gotta be physical to play it. And then the organizational preparation aspect of the game from Coach Grubb. And I think that learning from those three great coaches has developed my philosophy of football that uh that I've used for a career. Yeah, um, yeah, I've definitely heard that you know a lot. Uh, I've talked to a few coaches. I've talked to Blake and Wesley, and uh, Renard Woodmore, one of your former players, mm-hmm. is coaching. 
and they've all talked about you pick up things from different places and then apply it to who you are and your personality. So I think that's very interesting. You become a sum of the component parts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely so. Um, So what was it like? What are your memories looking back on that decade of the 90s when you win a championship in 1990 and then 93 and then 97 and 98 and – I I just I really to be honest with you, it's, it's more like a blur, more than anything. Um, for me, coaching is kind of like a drug. You 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 get on it, and you sort of can't get off. And you know, I think the thing that again I don't know if I'd change it any other way. But I think people who are close to me will tell you that I just didn't take and still don't today take any time to celebrate or to reminisce or to reflect or to look back. I'm always going – I'm always getting ready for the next game, you know. So you you win a game on Friday night and, you know, you talk to your players and you let them go home and just as soon as that – Dressing room clears out. You're you're looking at your staff. All right, who's going to get the film for tomorrow? What do they do? What's the scouting report? And we are preparing for next week's opponent before we turn the lights off on the field house on Friday night. So you're always chasing the next game or the next season. And I think it's really, for me, it's been really addictive and, like, you know, somewhere in my closet, you know, I've got videotapes of those years. I hope one day that I can go back and watch them, you know. But I haven't been able to do that, you know, because of the job that I have now. You know, we're just, you know, again, we're trying to do the same thing with our school district. You know, we're just trying to get a little bit better every day, get a little bit better every year. And you're always trying to find a new way to build a mousetrap, you know, a better way to build a mousetrap. And I'll be honest with you, I've just been so consumed with, uh, you know, the performance, the getting better, improving, not looking more through your windshield than through your rearview mirror, yeah. you know. And, and I think people's that's worked for me, people who's played for me, would tell you that, no, I just we just don't have any conversations about looking back and reminiscing. We're always trying to find a new way to get better. Going going forward. So you're one of those people that they that they talk about that you don't realize that you're Coach Clint Satterfield. <laughs> no, I no, I I really don't. I, I I don't. Uh I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to think about tomorrow, you know, trying to think about next year, just trying to get better. You know, I, I've you know, Coach Grubb always said this, and this we did this every day after before we went into practice, when we got stretched for it, before we went into practice, he said this, and I think this is huge. Today, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nobody stays the same. And, you know, I think there's an old adage, something about, like, you're either eating lunch or you're going to be lunch. You know what I'm saying? Out in the wild. Mm-hmm. And... It's, we're saying the same thing. You know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nobody stays the same. If you stay the same, everybody around you is getting better, you're, you're getting worse. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's kind of like the way I was raised. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know another way to do it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Hey, you know, hey, whatever works. And it's it's obviously worked for you very well. Well, we've been very – we've been super fortunate uh, – I, golly, I've had just great players. And I'm not talking just about big, strong, fast kids. I'm talking about kids who's done those things that I've talked about. They're in the weight room every day. They're getting 10 or 20 pounds stronger every month. Uh, It's unbelievable the amount of conditioning that we've done over time with our players. Uh, we used to have a sign 
that when you went in our dressing room, I said, through these doors enters the the most disciplined, hardest working, most conditioned football team in Tennessee. And we tried to live by that. And uh, I think in mo- I think in most cases, you know, we did. But that's because of the heart that was in our players. You know, I, hey, it, I, Dad used to say this, and all the players that played for him will can cite this as well. It's not the size of the dog in the fight; it's the size of the fight that's in the dog. And I've had a lot of players, majority of my players, over these many years, that's just had a lot of heart, had a lot of fight. They did what they were asked to do. They were well-disciplined. We've won more ball games around here based on heart than we have physical ability. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, something to be proud of. So, you know, we've talked about, you know, obviously coaching. Your dad was a coach. You were a coach. Uh, you played for your dad. What was it like for you as your two boys got old enough to play football and being on the opposite end of that? Now you're the coach. They're the player. Yeah, I think I heard you say you've interviewed them, so I'd be interested to see what they said <laughs> about that. Um, you know, we we as coaches, too often we coach the way we were coached. And I was tougher on my boys than uh, I was everybody else. And uh, I'm not proud of that fact at all. Again, it'd be interesting, you know, what what they, you know, would say about it. But from my aspect of coaching my kids is, uh, you know, I didn't get to sit in the bleachers and just watch my kids play. You know, I didn't get to see my kids play. You know, I'm watching the ball game. I'm managing the ball game. Does that make sense, what I'm saying to you? You know, so I'm looking at the defensive structure. I'm looking at the other team, what they're doing. We're calling plays and defenses. And then Wesley Blake is just a piece of what I'm watching during the course of the game. But what I did enjoy was – that after they left high school and they went to college and I could actually sit in the bleachers and be a parent and just watch the kid, that's really good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I really didn't get that pleasure being in high school because I was coaching the team as opposed to coaching an individual. Yeah, that's a interesting thought. That's an interesting thought I've never really thought about, you know, because I've never been in that position. But, yeah, you don't really get to watch them play, so to speak. Hey, it's special. I mean, I've got grandchildren play Little League and stuff now. It's special just to get you a folding chair, get behind the fence, and watch a kid play. And you don't have to coach. Yeah, Just watch a kid play. Just enjoy the game and watch the kid play and support the kid. Uh, but I didn't get to do that with my own children. So – Hopefully, you know, you live long enough and you, your grandkids play ball and you can try to make up for lost time watching your grandkids, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Something to look, something to look forward to, definitely. Um, were you surprised when either one of them, Blake and Wesley, when they went into coaching? Wesley not. Actually, his mother and I – foresaw that all the way he Wesley loved football I mean he and Blake did too I mean but you know Wesley you know he he could throw it he could kick it he could punt it you know he's he's pretty he's pretty good handling the football Blake was more of like receiving the ball catching the ball catching punts you know that's a hard trait you know he was a punt returner and Blake had just another gear of speed. I mean, both those kids were fast, but Blake, like, I mean, when he got by, he was gone, yeah. you know. And uh, and so uh, I think I forgot the question there, uh, Namai. 
What was you asking me there? Were you surprised about them going into coaching? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But I saw Wesley, you know, because he was really good with ball skills and stuff, and and Blake just seemed to like to play. You know what I'm saying? He like he didn't like study it or anything. <laughs> or I didn't see it that you know he he liked to play and he was really good at playing. Both of them were good at playing, but Blake didn't seem to be as committed to it as Wesley was. You know. And, uh, but that's the difference in personalities. But when I never saw Blake going into teaching, you know, he was going to be like a nurse, a nethesist is what he wanted to be. And then while he was waiting to get in nursing school, he started substitute teaching. And then the teachers said, Hey, do a pretty good job teaching. You ever thought about teaching? So next thing they got, he, he does a, a goal change and he becomes a teacher. And I think he started off helping assistant in middle school football. He started doing uh, softball. And then the next thing you know, Coach Wagner is the head coach. And he recruits Blake to come to the high school to coach defense. And uh, so I blame Coach Wagner, I guess, for this. <laughs> but anyway, he got him in. And then when Coach Wagner left, you know, Blake went into the to be the head coach and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I – I mean, I'm glad they're both coaching and they're both done a great job. But I, I think that I, I saw Wesley going into it and we were – his mother and I both have said that. We was kind of surprised to see Blake going into it. Uh, but uh, both of them have been successful and they're they're doing good jobs and we're proud of both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's it like now um, with that dynamic with you and the boys uh, – Having, having you know, all of you having grown up with your dad as a coach and then becoming coaches, what's that? What's that dynamic now, like now when they come to you? Uh, I don't think they come to me and ask me much. I just watch them, and basically we just talk football. Like we might watch the Titans game or Tennessee, and we talk, but. It's, 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 it's different. Like if I say something, you know, sometimes they're offended. Like, I don't know. So I, I just learned to just enjoy the game, game, watch the game and keep my opinions to myself. <laughs> and if they, if they need me, they'll ask is what I'm saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so You've talked about not, you know, not reflecting, not reminiscing, always moving forward. What do you look back on from coaching that, I guess, makes you most proud or stands out to you the most is that's that's why I did it? I, I Honestly, I, it's the success – of the student athlete that I've that I've coached, and uh, you know, I now. I mean, I'm not going. I if I can't say names because I do, I'm going to leave somebody else out and stuff. But I mean, I'm just thinking of a situation right now, and there's like hundred, you know, like in the hundreds of them, is where you know a kid played for me x many years ago. And now they've got kids that's either played and graduated and gone through or they're playing now. And I work with them as a parent in the school system, you know. Mm -hmm. And I am just so proud of uh, of them as a father. And, uh, you know, the work that they've put in to provide for their families, Uh the discipline, you know, they say there's a there's an old adage that you can uh, you can identify the tree by the fruit that it bears. And I've just seen a lot. What what I'm most proud of is where you see your f- former players, and they bear good fruit. You know, they have good children, and they're doing well in school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and then th- that former player has, you know, worked hard for themselves. They've got a good job. They're providing for their family. 
And uh, I think, again, going back to where we started, I think football teaches you things about life that other things don't. I mean, it's hard. It's tough. You get knocked down. You got to get back up. Uh, You know, today was a no good, very bad day. And we have faith if we get back out there and work hard, that things will be better tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's so many life lessons. And I hope that some of those players will tell you that they're where they are today because of the experiences they have in football. I mean, I, I hope that's – I mean, that's why we have athletics in schools is because it teaches hard work, it teaches character, it teaches people how to work together as a team. And uh, that's the educational part of uh, – of sports, and that's why we have those things in school. So I'm I'm most proud of uh, my former players who have turned out to be good dads, and they've bared good fruit. Good fruit, yeah. So, few more questions uh, about coaching, and not even about coaching, but definitely uh, we live in a small town and. You hear things, you know a little bit about certain things, but you don't know the whole story. Um, talk to me about what went into the decision, I guess, in 2000, 2000 2001, in Trousdale County switching from 1A up to 3A. <laughs> well, here's the deal. We knew that we our enrollment was going to put us in 2A. Okay. And then we knew that there was two really good private school programs at that time, and that was uh, a good pasture, was really good. And uh, who was the other one? It was good pasture and, uh, I don't know, like CPA or somebody, you know. Uh, I t- No, i tell you exactly who it was. It was good pasture and David Lipscomb. Okay. Both of them were, were really good at the time. So we knew by looking at it, they would pretty much put us in a region with two private schools, two really, really strong private schools. And then the way the playoff bracket was set up, you'd be in their region. And then in the first round, you'd play somebody outside the region. The second round, you would have to play somebody in your region again, which would be Good Pasture or David Lipscomb. And then if you won that one, you'd have to play in the quarterfinals. You'd have to play one the other one. So you'd be in the same region, you'd have to play them twice. You'd have to play them twice in the same year. And it means you'd have to go through them to have a chance at playing the state championship game. So what we thought, of course, you know, with the private schools, and we know now that, you know, they separated private schools and public schools. And, you know, but back then you had to, it's pretty tough to go through all those private schools. So what we decided was we'd just go into AAA where there'd be no private schools and we'd just take our chances with playing teams that got their athletes the same way we got ours. You know, they didn't recruit, they didn't give them scholarships. So, lo and behold, we ended up declaring to go AAA, and obviously some other people thought about that too because Smith County did it. Of course, we didn't consult with them, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden a super region got built. You know, so all of a sudden there's DeKalb and Jackson County and Macon County and Smith County and us and Portland, who were the defending 3A state champs Mm -hmm. sitting in there. So most people said that, I guess me, that I'd gone crazy about moving up from 1A to 3A into a district where the defending 3A state championship champions were, which was Portland High School. Mm -hmm. And then they really thought we was crazy after we went up there the week end of 9-11 mm-hmm. and got beat 54-14. to 14. So uh, I think that's what you're alluding to, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, well, like I said, I knew that there was talk and issues about the private schools just in general, and you talked about they've now separated yeah. you know, the private schools out. So, like I said, I was just sort of curious what. We were trying to just, you know, we were trying to compete. And, you know, give our ch- kids a chance to win state championship games. And, you know, we just didn't want to be in there with private schools and especially with power school powerhouses, you know, yeah. private school powerhouses, so to speak. 
And, you know, we ended up in that AAA. We was in there four years. We went to the semifinals two years in a row. And I think we got beat maybe in the quarterfinals the other two years. But I, I thought it was a I thought it was a good run. Yeah, very competitive. Uh, you know. I think some people around Wesley will tell you that uh, if we'd been single A, we'd had many more state championships right there. But uh, but he would also tell you that he wouldn't change anything for the the fun that we had, the competitiveness. I mean, it was. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of football fans around here would tell you it's some of the best football that's been played around here in a long time. Yeah, it was definitely definitely fun to watch, and uh, I've talked to a couple of people that would have been they're a few years younger than me. You know, Wesley's class uh, that they they spent two years in three A, and then they were that class that. Came back down to one like day. Dustin and Kyle yeah. and, and Kurt McGowan and yeah that yep. group and they talked about how much they appreciated the experience of playing in three A and then going back down to three yeah. A. I think it was a T shirt that was printed. Somebody had it says uh, "We're back." You know, one yeah. A, we're back. I, I still think it's some of those T shirts floating around somewhere. You might find a couple of those somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's some in some closets. And somewhere. then we also got you know to talk about is. You know, the nuclear jackrabbit, T.T. Uh, Harper, you yeah. know, we had during that time that really made a difference. And, you know, he was Mr. Football in 3A. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty good for, you know, especially for somebody who was, you know, not as not the biggest guy at all. But super strong and quick. I mean, nobody was as quick and as strong. And a lot of people don't understand about him is how – football smart he was i mean he knew football could anticipate football as a safety you know he could recognize patterns and just he just he was just and a punt returner kick returner he was just all around just an exceptional football player yeah always a threat to score with the ball in his hand <laughs> absolutely and he was gonna find a way to get the ball yes sir i remember uh talking about tt i think i, I want to say it was smith county that we were playing and I think maybe he fumbled a kickoff or a punt, and I remember him coming to the sidelines and patting his chest. And he told he told us, I've heard it from players later. He said, "Don't worry, I'll get it back." Yeah. And then the very next play, he gets an interception. Right. <laughs> like, like I'm gonna get the ball one way or another. Right. Um, another thing, um, you mentioned that this is the only you know school district you've ever been a part of. You went to school here coached here and taught here for a number of years, there was always talk, rumors, or, you know, conversations whispered about about the possibility of you going elsewhere. And I talked to Wesley, and he said that at one point when we were in high school, you were pretty close to going to Lebanon, I believe. Lebanon High? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what was – what were those conversations and what was that decision like as far as thinking about going somewhere and then deciding not to? Well, I think, you know, we we had talked to Lebanon High School at one time, talked to Cumberland University as well. I think what happened was in that case is I'd actually taken the job for like 12 hours. My wife had went with me. We, you know, I'd done an interview or something, but we'd gone over there to uh, finalize everything. My wife had went with me. So that evening at dinner, we told the kids that uh, we were going to be taking another job, and there was a mass rebellion at the dinner table. And uh, it wasn't a pretty sight. So finally we got the children to bed, and uh, I can remember my wife looking at me, and, and she said, do you think we've made the right decision? And I go, I'm not for sure. And she said, well, we can't, we can't, we can't do any, we can't do anything now, can we? And I've always said this, and I say this in my staff meetings today to this day 
you know, the worst decision that we can make is ride out a bad decision too long. And I said, if you don't think it's right, then I'll I'll get up in the morning and I'll go fix it. And uh, so that's what I had to do. So we, for once, I hope I don't, you know, I don't try not to be like this, but when you got to make the best decisions for your family, I guess you might get a pass. I hope so. But you tell somebody one thing one day and the next day you have to tell them something else. But, you know, that night at home, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And uh, my wife and I decided we couldn't take many more nights of that. So we had to, we had to do something else. So, and, and the Lord has, has blessed me and my family and, and, uh, we don't have any regrets whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. You know, it's not good to have regrets, and I think you've talked about that a lot, is that you're always moving forward. Right. Um, was coaching somewhere else just something to challenge yourself? That Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm in the superintendency now is, uh, I mean, I don't, want, I don't want this to come across wrong. I don't want to say this wrong, but and I've had people close to me say this to me that you got tired of winning, <laughs> and uh, I kind of did, you know, like like at what point do you say, okay, we're go- you win another state championship, okay, you've won X amount behind you, you know, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and at some point in time. You know, you you want to do something else, or you know, for me it was a career change. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, you know, I went from coaching to being a school superintendent. You know, is yeah. is a, a career change. But I felt like I got to a point where it had gotten a little old, boring, monotonous, and there was just you wanted to do something more or bigger or different on a grandiose scale. I, I, I don't know. I know I'm not saying this right is what I'm saying, but it just, this, it's just got to be more out there on the horizon is what I'm saying. Yeah. That, you know, just a, a new challenge, a new outlook, so to speak yeah. of, you know, uh, football, you know, football and sports in general, it's, it's always changing and evolving, but in a lot of ways, it's still the same thing. It's, right. Right. Once you've been successful at it, it's you know you st- either you continue to be successful or you find out it was a fluke. But at a certain point, you realize, okay, it's not a fluke. I'm I'm pretty good at this, and maybe I want to try something else to push and challenge myself. I yeah, I just I just think I got just a little a little bored with it. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's nothing that that happened. You know, a lot of times people won't. Want something to happen where they get mad, where they can quit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like, you know, I just wanted to do more. Is is what I'm saying? And uh, and 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 again, I'm I don't have any regrets. I'm like I said, I've I've been blessed. The greatest thing I've been able to work with good people. I mean, just you know, good principals, good players, good school board. You know, you know. And good teachers, and I've just been so fortunate to be r- surrounded by so many talented, hardworking, good people, and uh, I, 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 I mean, I can't words can't express how fortunate, how blessed, how lucky that I am to, uh, you know, experiencing the successes that I've been able to be a part of. So, when you did step away from coaching and you finished that 2007 season, right? What was it like that next year when football is starting back up, and this is the first time <laughs> in what thirty some odd years that you're not a part of it? Yeah, um, it was. You know, it took years to 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 get away from it. You know, but I, you know, I I'd, I'd stop by and watch practice. You know, and 
as the years go along that you watch less. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But this the job of the superintendency has gotten to be more complicated each and every year, so you don't have time to do that. But uh, but I was really interested in you know those first couple years because I felt like those was my players. You know, those are the guys that I started with in the seventh grade. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and uh, I don't know, I don't know how how they felt about me stepping away. You know, that felt like maybe some of them felt like, you know, I was abandoning them, and I didn't want them to feel abandoned. And uh, you know, that's where we got Coach Creasy to come back, and then we had the whole staff that we'd had the year before, Coach Keaton, Coach Dobbs, and uh, so I felt like you know I'd left them with a good coaching staff, and certainly I felt like we had prepared them over the those few years and uh, but I was really happy to see them win two state championships you know right after I left because I'm going hey they they can forget about me and start <laughs> thinking about themselves yeah a little bit yeah a little it's, bit. it's 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 a good transition it, and it makes it easier on me you know nobody's trying to get in my ears say when you're going to go back to coaching and you need to get back down there, you know. So when, you know, they're winning, you know, you step aside and they're winning. And, uh, it, you know, it took some pressure off of me as a superintendent is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last question, and I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, in all your years at Trousdale County from growing up and – your playing days through players you see today. If you were going to start an all-time Trousdale County football team, I'm going to give you five players to pick. Five players? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Now they can play offense. They can play defense. They can play both ways, whatever you need them to do. Oh, I don't know if I can pick five, but, you know, we've talked about a few today. We've talked about – a. T.T. Harper certainly has to be in there, I, I would say. Michael Scruggs, my two-time Mr. Football. Mm-hmm. Uh, T.C. Payne, definitely. How many am I up to now? T.T., Michael Scruggs, T.C. Payne. That's three. Uh, you know, I'd probably have to put Chad Evitz in there. You know, he, he uh, I think he got better the older he got by the time he got to college. You know, he was a – you know, he made all all OVC. He made Tennessee Tech Hall of Fame. Yep. So we'd have to throw him in there. And then uh, the fifth, golly, man, there's just so many. You got any re- uh, recommendations there for number five? Um, let's see. I mean, your list is pretty consistent with a lot of the ones I've heard. You've got the three Mr. Footballs in there. Uh, T.C. Payne's the name I've heard, you know, couple of times uh i've heard the name reggie harper oh, oh now i didn't coach reggie though okay i played with reggie okay now if you take an all-time best football players he'd have to go in there is yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. i could throw a five-yard uh pass route to reggie and he'd take it 80 you know <laughs> it goes down as a five 85 yard touchdown yeah. pass he did all the work for yes that. sir he did <laughs> yes sir but yeah. I, I again i i think the uh i guess that fifth player would kind of be like the uh, Texas A&M 12th man. You know, I think that fifth position is just all the players that put the time and the hard work and the dedication. I think the four players we mentioned would tell you that they couldn't have won a game by themselves. None of them could. But it's their teammates and building that camaraderie and that, that work ethic. And that no quit attitude uh, has made the difference for us over time, and I think it will. In the, if if we succeed or fail in the future, it will be because of those intangible things that we've talked about today. Yeah, yeah, the intangibles. That's definitely something I've continued to hear: the heart, the commitment, the drive, the will, the work ethic, the work ethic, especially, and. I think that's just – it's been all mixed up into a pot and given us a lot of success over the past – Well, it, I think it's given us something our community is proud of proud. over time. 
And uh, I know we are disappointed about two wins and eight losses this year. You know, I understand that. But uh, those kids are working hard. They had some misfortune. and uh, But if they keep addressing those intangibles that we've talked about, then uh, I'm confident that uh, we'll get things turned around in, in time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, last question, and I'll let you – last thought, and I'll let you go. If you were to tell somebody – that doesn't know anything about Trousdale County football, what would you tell them that they need to know about this Yellow Jacket football program? Uh, can't judge. Can't judge a book by its cover. There might be, there might not be many of them. It might not be real big, but they'll get after you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely so. Definitely so. And get after it, they do. Well, Coach, thank you for taking the time. My, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. It's, it's been a pleasure. And for those of you out there, thank you for listening. And we'll be back with another episode soon. Thank you very much.